We back. You know what time it is? Episode five of Power Book Three: Raising Canaan. This one has some. Um, this one was pretty lit, right? So <laughs> let me play the intro music. Give the people who haven't seen the time to find something else to do because spoiler is about to happen. And we, those of us who watched it already, we about to get into episode five. Let's go. So we start the episode <laughs> with Kanan getting fresh, right? He putting together an outfit. I feel like he's about to go out with Davina, but I don't know what happens with this. He just put on this outfit. <laughs> um, he wipes off some blood on his shoes. And, you know, 50 Cent's narrating, as he normally do, about fighting every day with the streets and yourself. This is probably going to lend very well. Well, it does. It lends very well to the actual episode about choosing your battles. That's the title of episode five, Choose Your Battles. And um, 50 Cent's narration, you know, plays right into that. Caden goes downstairs to the kitchen and Rock is there with a bloody shirt from the last episode. Y'all remember how the last episode ended? Remember, she was in uh, Kanan's bedroom, you know what I'm saying, preparing the laundry. Of course, she look up under the bed, pull out the bloody shirt. Now that's on a table right here in front of Kanan. She got questions. This nigga got answers. What happens is a classic, um, I don't know, battle <laughs> between yourself and your parents. I don't know. Uh, nah, so she's told him basically, you know, you know how moms are. Oh, I've been new about this. I was just waiting to see if you was going X, Y, and Z. She hit him with that. Told him that uh, she had found it a couple of days ago. She was just waiting on him to tell her, but he was taking too long. So she brought it to his front door. <laughs> uh, she knew all about the stash house shit that happened with Marvin and one of Unique's boys. Of course, he tried to lie, but she saw right through the shit. Kanan tried to lie. His mom, his mom <laughs> saw right through the shit. And in this moment, this is where I start to realize that Rock might be my favorite mom in the Power Universe. Like, Tasha was dope or whatever, but she really, she had to step up and be, you know, this kind of mom. Like, Rock and, like, um, Mary J. Blige's character in the show. What's the name of Mary J. Blige's character in book two? Monet. Yeah, she had to step up and be parents like Raquel and Monet, you know, only after everything with James fell apart and she realized she was going to have to look out for herself and get it on her own because this nigga was doing other shit. Rock, she from the gate, like, I am a mom first. I want my child to do X, Y, and Z. We're not trying to do this drug business shit. Like, there's no end to this shit. I want this nigga to get out, have a good life. You know, go to college, make a lot of money, take me out of this shit and be straight. But other than that, I really just like how uh, direct she is. Okay. It kind of remind me of my mom. Like when it's time to cut the bullshit and the friendly shit and the play play shit off, like it goes off. We get the business and really discuss what it is that need to be discussed. And Rock is like that. She's a perfect blend of like motherly, you know, sweetness or whatever. But very much stern in Kana's life and making sure he knows like I'm gonna be your mom first all this other shit comes after me and you and I need you to be real with me at all times and I'm gonna be real with you at all times I fuck with that meanwhile Monet Tahada she gangster through and through 
her kids barely like her because she always <laughs> she always hard on them. She'll never soften up with the kids. But that's beside the point. We pull up on Detective Malcolm and his partner, Detective Burke is her name. I finally <laughs> did my Googles, <laughs> Detective Burke. We pull up on uh, Detective Malcolm and Detective Burke. They're at the um, now cleared out stash house where all that shit happened with Marvin and Unique's uh, homeboy or lackey. I don't know. <laughs> and um, Kanan. They noticed the blood on the floor and the vomit that we know is Kanan's vomit. Um, at this point, though, I'm starting to see that like Marvin is a big liability in Rock's organization because it was dumb as fuck and sloppy as fuck for them to like not clean up that blood and the vomit. Like all that DNA evidence, they could figure out a way to track that back. You know what I'm saying? So. I thought <laughs> when Marvin told Kanan they was going to be cleaning that shit up, that that's what they meant, but clearly not. Luckily, Detective Malcolm knows what time it is with the stash house. He's like, you know what I'm saying? Somebody reported the shooting, but we ain't got no damn victims. So case closed. I ain't finna invest in this. This obviously was a crack house or a drug house, a stash house, something. And it's no longer that. So fuck it. Let's move on. We're not finna write no reports. On to the next. Meanwhile, <laughs> Rock, Marvin, and Lou are at the table, I think at Rock's house, and they having a discussion, right? Rock questions Marvin about the details he left out <laughs> from the stash house hit, and of course, this nigga tries to lie, <laughs> and she shut all that down, like, quickly, and went off on this nigga, like, <laughs> like, just went crazy on the boy snapped on him called him all kind of dumbs and just really chew him out for having Kanan fucked up in that shit like and and everything that happened at the stash house losing half of the product and the money like rock was pissed and clearly because <laughs> these are her brothers she don't have no sympathy or give no fucks about letting them know how she feel and that's what she did <laughs> to Marvin with Lou having her back. It definitely made Marvin feel bad. You can see after scene closing out, he got that look on his face like, damn, I done fucked up. Yeah, nigga, because <laughs> what the fuck? The next scene, we cut over to Kanan and Symphony. Uh, they having a dope little bonding moment after class gets out. Kanan likes <laughs> the class. Symphony likes that Kanan is in this class. <laughs> um symphony takes a second though like why he's admiring Kanan's craftsmanship of i believe that's the queen's bridge he built um he gives him a quick history lesson on the bridges in new york specifically a queen's bridge i believe that is what Kanan was building <laughs> um basically gives us a history lesson on it and how it was basically founded on racism you know what i'm saying white people didn't want to drive through the hoods to get into manhattan or these other areas of new york that they wanted to go without dealing with black people and so they just built bridges over these neighborhoods tore neighborhoods down to construct the bridge taking them from their front door straight over to the comfortable areas that they wanted to be in i don't know how true that is i'm not an architect i don't work on bridges for a living um nor am i from new york so i mean it's possible though i believe it Honestly, I don't know if it's true, but I believe it. Um, but these kind of little like 
learning moments, these history lessons or whatever, these are dope. I really appreciate um the you know the team over at Power Universe <laughs> for incorporating that into this um particular series. I think it's dope that we get all of these like little backstories about New York from what um jukebox was telling us about ralph lauren and you know we just got this history lesson about these bridges and how skyscrapers back then or what was considered to be skyscrapers or multi-rises or whatever sky rises whatever the fuck you call them apartment buildings how they originally were for you know saying wealthy folks or whatever but eventually black people moved in and the government or the New York government, I should say, figured out a way to turn them shits into project homes and keep black people and other people of color fucked up in the worst neighborhoods in the city. But I like the little history lessons. It's dope. Whether it's true or not, or 100% factual or not, Like I like that they are making sure that these little moments get highlighted within the show because the history lessons and the things i'm learning is pretty dope anyway <laughs> symphony gives kanan his phone number and tell him to hit him up anytime they seem to both like each other now it's cool um kanan asked him you know saying you really like my mom huh he's like you know what i'm saying yeah i'm fucking with your mom she dope <laughs> anyways i'm paraphrasing but kanan pretty much gave symphony to go ahead the okay to be with his mom i guess they they had this weird little male minded moment <laughs> we go back over to lou and marvin and they are still discussing marvin's fuck up with kanan and unique slacky or whatever at the stash house <laughs> apparently marvin is prone to fucking up and even served a bit behind it and lou is like bruh i'm not going to jail we're dying for your shit, bro. I'm trying to make this money, take care of my family, and be good. Please stop fucking up with the bullshit. They end up getting into an argument. They both threw some like low blows at each other. Some personal shit was said or whatever. And they end up fist fighting. They scrapping on the ground a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Then a police car rolls by. You know, hit the little sirens, the little megaphone. Break it up. And, you know, <laughs> of course they stop fighting because niggas ain't trying to go to jail just for having a little a little brotherly dispute you know what i'm saying <laughs> we cut back over to detective malcolm though and he's having like a checkup visit with his doctor again um apparently he was able to get in contact with some family down in uh, alabama the cousins that he said wasn't gonna fuck with him <laughs> and he still holds like oh they was gonna try to extort me anyway or whatever if the shit came back as a match According to the doctor, none of them did come back as a match for bone marrow transplant that Detective Malcolm needs to like fight this leukemia or whatever. The doctor advises him to make some lifestyle changes while she waits to hear back from a bone marrow transplant registry that could get him the actual marrow that he needs. But Detective Malcolm looks so damn defeated <laughs> and uninterested in taking her advice that. You know, he's like, man, fuck it. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I'm going to keep smoking my cigarettes. Eating what the fuck I want. It is what it is. He hopeless at this point. But, I mean, I guess he don't really have nothing else to fall back on other than this registry that the doctor just told him 
you know, percentage chances are not very favorable. But it is what it is. We cut back over to Kane and Famous and Jukebox. They're at the uh, bodega that is Rock's new stash house. Of course, they don't know, but they're at the bodega. I peep now. At least the wife of the store owner knows who the fuck Kanan and his friends are, you know, in relation to Raquel and the whole drug business. Because <laughs> the uh, store owner dude, the husband or whatever, he was kind of tripping a little bit. She had a whisper in his ear like, get your shit together now. Like, this is X, Y, and Z. Don't, no, no, no. He changed that tune a little bit. Kanan famous in jukebox. They, you know, catching up about everything. Uh <laughs> jukebox decided to reveal to the boys that she done lost her virginity or whatever <laughs> famous had an interesting reaction to that i feel like i thought they knew that she is not into guys but apparently famous was under the impression that he was supposed to take her virginity but that whole conversation turns into Kanan um talking about the stash house incident and that leads to jukebox basically saying she felt like Davino is the snitch or whatever because obviously Kana told her you know you was talking to her outside the stash house da -da -da. so jukebox cleverly puts two and two together and feels like Davina might have been the one that snitched him out uh, but of course Kanan's like infatuated with this girl so <laughs> he ain't having that the whole conversation at this point is blows up immediate tension. Kanan storms out. Jukebox goes to uh, chase him down to make sure he knows like, you know, I'm not trying to come for the girl or nothing like that, but I'm just putting two, two together. Kanan ain't having that. You know, he feel like it's on scrap or whatever, because conveniently <laughs> he was sick on the day the stash house got hit. But Jukebox is not <laughs> feeling that because she knows that Scrap is a loyal dude. The conversation gets a little bit more heated. You know, they exchange some unpleasantries <laughs> and uh, ultimately end on bad terms or whatever. Kanan is not trying to hear the Davina shit and he wants Scrap to be <laughs> the person that fucked up because I feel like <laughs> if Kanan admits Davina fucked up, then he gotta admit that he fucked up because she would have never known he was in that stash house if he come running out like some damn puppy trying to get her attention. <laughs> I could tell though that Jukebox wasn't really tripping like that. I mean, she got mad and she stormed off or whatever, but she wasn't like tripping. She understood. And I feel like Kanan is just mad. She was just like a little hurt at Kanan's reaction to her saying this shit. And the stuff that he was fucking saying to her was kind of fucked up. But I could tell like Kanan, he kind of knew he was overreacting, but he was still mad. So he just let the, <laughs> let the conversation be heated and in how it ended. Um, this was confirmed, you know, a few scenes later after a famous like caught up with Jukebox and invited her to the studio and the next scene and I'm saying of course it's childish and y'all gonna move past it so don't even trip don't let this little incident ruin the opportunity i'm trying to present to you like let's go to the studio and make this shit happen we catch back up with rock and marvin though 
who are looking at the apartment unit they're about to rent out. But apparently the current renter is still <laughs> living there and not interested in leaving. And honestly, bro, I feel, dog, like it's fucked up that the landlord is even showing his apartment, knowing he still lived there. Like the man furniture still in the shed. He got food on the stove, refrigerator still packed out. You know what I'm saying? You in my shit showing off my apartment, knowing damn well I'm not about to exit my lease or nothing. Like I'm still living here. What the fuck? So <laughs> I understand why the dude was upset and the ass whooping that he ends up getting for just letting it be known like this is my shit. I don't plan on moving. <laughs> I feel like that ass whooping should have went to the motherfucking landlord. Like Marvin should have been knocking blood out of that nigga's nose for even showing them this damn apartment, knowing somebody who don't got nothing to do with this shit is still living there. Rock stops the ass whooping <laughs> that Marvin is handing old boy though before it goes too far. And decides to reason with this man while she also reminds him, like, bitch, you know who I am in the street. So you might as well just let me get this and take the money and be good. The next scene after that is, like I said earlier, uh, famous invited jukebox to the studio. And then the scene cuts back to Rock and Marvin and she's explaining why the apartment units, like why one on top of the other, the little shoot that she's about to install or have them install so that they could just toss their shit in the apartment below if they see any feds coming from up top. Like she got a whole setup and a whole plan in mind. And these two units are pivotal in that. So <laughs> old boy gotta go. <laughs> We go back to Kanan, though, who is like rushing in the house. He go upstairs to his room, lifts his matches, and we see a gun that he's trying to reach for. But Raquel walks in on him to talk, and she explains that she has spoke to Marvin about the stash house incident, claims to not want to know <laughs> more than what she already knows about the shit that he's doing behind her back. Um, Kanan rebuttals, saying he's tired of being played and he wants to learn how to cook. Rock is like, she needs to think about it. And Cannon reminds her, you know, he's just like her. And he's not going to wait too long for somebody to show him something that he want to do. I could tell by Rock's, like, reaction and response to the things Cannon is saying that, like, she see a lot of herself in that nigga. She know just continuing to play mind games with him and try to get him interested in being a student other than learning this business is not going to work out. So eventually she's going to have to teach him something. That's what I feel like she knows in her heart. We cut over though to Rock dropping off Kanan at his pizza shop hangout. And in the distance, we see Detective Malcolm following them. Now, Detective Malcolm and his partner, Detective Burke, I'm going to remember this lady's name. <laughs> they notice that Kanan waits for Rock to drive off before he leaves the pizza shop and goes on to do his own thing. In that brief little moment, um, Detective Malcolm gives us and Detective Burke a rundown of Kanan's like family legacy, who his father is, how he's connected to like four other cases they got going on, including the death of D-Wiz and the death of Buck 20. So they like, yeah, let's just follow this nigga and see where the trail leads. So we got to use the prints to get to the queen. We see Kanan pull up on an alleyway where Scrap is shooting dice with his homeboys. 
uh, Kanan approaches Scrap and ultimately basically accuses him of snitching on the stash house. Now, of course, Scrap ain't having that. He know he ain't tell nothing. And at this moment, I just feel like Kanan knows <laughs> that it was not Scrap that snitched, but he's so like dedicated and not believing that it was actually Davina that he's like, man, fuck it. I think this nigga did it. I'm going to get him to say he did it one way or the other. They end up fighting because Kanan won't smoke and <laughs> motherfucking Scrap is not about to step down just because he's Rock's kid. But, like I said, Detective Malcolm and Detective Burke, they was following Kanan. So they pull up, arrest them for fighting or whatever, and take them down to the police station. We cut back over to Rock. She's at the uh, stash house at the bodega. And the little owner dude, he seems shifty as fuck. You know, he nervous. He talking about, I'm taking a big risk by having y'all here. If the police find this, I'm going to jail, not y'all. She like told this nigga, this is why we pay you so much money. You agreed on it. He want to raise. She like, hell nah, bitch. If we start discussing raises, we're going to be discussing fish. She had a dope little quote. She was like, uh, when we negotiate the terms, we shake hands when we renegotiate the terms. We throwing hands. And I was like, all right, now fuck with that. That shit was hard. That shit was hard. <laughs> Me personally, though, I don't trust this bodega owner. He seems scary as fuck. He trying to press them for more money. Like, he always making little faces or whatever. If he'll end up snitching, he gonna end up giving them up to Unique or something gonna happen. Like, this nigga can't be trusted. It's throw on the dude. So. I'm going to keep my eye on this one. <laughs> Back at the police station, though, um, Detective Malcolm is questioning Kanan. Of course, Kanan, you know, well, don't talk to cops. Like, I ain't trying to do all that. I'm going to wait for my legal guardian to get here, my peoples and them to come pick me up. Detective Malcolm pretty much tell him, like, bro, I could be charging you, but I'm not. Just tell me what the fuck I need to know. I ain't trying to get into your personal business. Just give me a little information. Now, this scene is where things start to get a little like question marky <laughs> question marky this is why i started to like see some shit right because detective malcolm he made a comment about thinking Kanan was older once uh Kanan told him what date of birth was or whatever that made me think okay either he got his info wrong all along or Kanan's father isn't who the show has been telling us Kanan's father is because like I don't know. It was just weird that he stopped. Like, damn, I thought you was this old, but you saying you born in this time? All right, all right. Symphony walks in the station, though, after Kane, and it's like, why do you care about my birthday like this? <laughs> and um, Symphony and Detective Malcolm, they have, a, you know, a little exchange of words, some brother man talk. <laughs> I really like that uh, Symphony's, like, pro-black is, like, you know, knowledge and history-based. But then on the flip side, like Detective Malcolm's kind of like pro pro black is based in like <laughs> street and hood. I don't know. It's a duality that black people tend to have. And I'm glad that they kind of like showcasing it because on one side, people are like pro black to the point that they don't like to be called nigga like symphony or brother by other black men who are not <laughs> my blood or their blood brother. Then on the other side, like. You got somebody like Detective Malcolm, who is comes from the street, know how niggas get down, is black, pro-black, I should say, in that whole way of street and hood mentality, I guess. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm trying to say. 
detective Malcolm ends up releasing Kanan um, to Symphony. And after they leave, he decides to do a little investigation on the timeline of Kanan's birth and his father who was incarcerated. His name is Defcon. So Kanan told Detective Malcolm, right? He told him I was born um, August 15th. 1975 or whatever whatever but when we look on detective malcolm's love you know 1990s ibm desktop <laughs> with the black and green <laughs> um it says that defcon was arrested september 14 1974 and his incarceration date is october 9th 74 so the timeline for him being Kane's father is like it's wild, bro. It can't be right. Like you telling us, or Kanan telling us, he was born August seventy-five, but Defcon's incarceration date is October seventy-four. That's over nine months apart. They got to be like ten or eleven, if you like, you know, trying to be exact about it. So something is a little off right there. We'll, you know, get into it. Later on in an episode, y'all know how this shit ended. I'm just recapping <laughs> and giving my little opinion. But we head back over to the studio. Famous is cutting the track, but the uh, vocalist that was supposed to be on it with him, Flake, you know, due to Camacho's poor payment history. Apparently, this nigga don't be paying nobody <laughs> and just saying, I got you after this. I got you after this. Um, he hasn't been paying the engineer. He ain't been paying the guys down the hall working or nothing like that. So Lou steps in with the bankroll. You know, Lou got the cash. And uh, he kind of bails Camacho out right there. Um, just paying the board op, telling him, you know, take the rest of this money, pay who need to be paid. I got it. In exchange, my niece is going to be singing on this record. Now, Jukebox is there in the studio. We saw her, like, as soon as we cut into the scene, Lou daps her up or whatever, whatever. But, you know, she's just trying to play it cool. Like, she took um, Famous's invite to the studio. She's there. She ain't trying to be in nobody's face. But after this moment, she like, okay, what you want me to do? I appreciate it, Unc, but I don't really want it like this. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to impose or nothing like that. Lou sat down real quick, had a quick conversation with him, was like, look, this is me paying for your studio time. Like, I'm trying to look out for you, my niece. Go in there and do what you're supposed to do. Jukebox is like, all right, I'm finna go in there and shine then. We go back to Kanan and Symphony, who, you know, Symphony just picked him up from the police station. Now he's trying to drop him off. And Kanan basically tell him, you know what I'm saying, I don't want you to tell my mom what happens. Symphony, the best he could do <laughs> is say, I'm not going to tell her. I'm not going to offer her the information. But if she asks me, I'm not going to lie for you either. And I respect that because he was making it very clear. He don't want to get in between Ken and his mom or whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to have your back and look out for you. Make sure I am not going to run and tell her nothing. But then if she asks me, I'm going to be honest because she deserved that from me and you. But I understand why you didn't want her to know. We cut back over to Jukebox in the studio, though, and she is wearing her vocals out. Like, she killing this shit, bro. Like, singing down. And uh, everybody in that shit is, like, in awe. Like, goddamn, she just a fucking body dag. And look like Famous and her might have a little hit on their hands. The showcase might 
really work out for both of them. We cut over to Scrap, though, and he's walking home from the police station. Apparently, he was there a lot longer than uh, Kanan was, but he did get let go. Uh, Rock pulls up on him, and, you know, <laughs> Scrap being the digger he is, he's like, before you even reach for a gun, like, this is what happened. Kanan stuck to me. I know he your son, but I couldn't let him pump me like that in front of your boys or my boys. So I did what I had to do. Rock was just like, man, just get in. Let me talk to you or whatever. And that look that she had on her face as the scene was closing, I'm like, damn, yeah, she she's really getting scared for Kanan. Like, she keep finding out shit that she didn't know. Because I don't think Rock knew that anybody had been at the police station, especially not Kanan. Maybe she did. But she had a look on her face like, you know, the disappointment of finding out things like this from other people is like starting to wear on her. And I get it. Cause she's, she loved that thing at the end of the day. That's her, that's her son. Like she loves her son. So she knows street life is headed for her son. <laughs> we head back to, uh, you know, juke in her storyline. <laughs> she is with Nicole and they spending some more, you know, love bird, cute time, some quality time, hanging out, laughing joking or whatever she's playing nicole the new record her and famous just cutting the studio with crown camacho um they have a quick conversation about white people's spaghetti versus black people's spaghetti and all i'm gonna say is this shit is true <laughs> it's this different we be doing spaghetti different over here on the black side it's 10 times better compared to other shit but that's neither here nor there <laughs> they start making our heavy to the point that they ain't even hear this girl's mom walk in. She walks in, catches Jukebox and Nicole tonguing each other down and flips the fuck out, instantly blaming the black girl. Of course, she coming straight for Jukebox. You did this and you doing this, X, Y, and Z. Now, I've been telling y'all since like, what, episode three or two? I've been telling y'all they was going to get caught. I knew this shit was going to happen. They was going to catch jukebox and nicole in the heat of the moment and they was gonna blame jukebox because she the little black girl from south side jamaica queens i knew this shit was gonna happen because racism jukebox is clearly shook though you know what i'm saying i, I don't believe she's out to anybody except for Kanan. And this is her first love and her mom coming in flipping out on that to treat her so nicely all this time like jukebox was fucked up behind this nicole too and it's crazy because like i felt like nicole mom was overreacting like a motherfucker like threatening rape charges on the girl if she ever catch nicole and jukebox hanging out again i'm just like damn she overreacting but then at the same time i get it it's the what early 90s and homophobia and you know white people just assuming all black people are inherently bad and all this other shit whenever they get in trouble with their kids and their kids be the one that started the shit in the first place like i get it i feel like nicole should have maybe stood up a little harder for jukebox but at the same time like i said i get it and on top of that they kids they never been in this situation before i mean nicole apparently has a you know been active with other girls before but not jukebox and then on top of that like this they first getting caught i guess it's interesting though because i see the dad's expression when he like walks into the room he trying to get uh uh update on everything that just happened why his wife is screaming at the top of his lungs at this little black girl 
I feel like he would have been a lot more understanding and okay if he would have walked in on them instead of the mom. But I don't know. That's just something I noticed and I've been noticing. Like every time TV portrays these kind of instances where um, queer kids get caught, you know, experimenting and, and loving each other or whatever. It's always the mom that be having the most issues. The dad, they kind of just be like, you know, I get it. So I ain't going to trip, you know, X, Y, and Z. And they have their own little hangups about it that just literally tie into them loving their kid. <laughs> I don't know. It's crazy. But the moms always be the ones that be overreacting with this kind of shit. Whenever it's white people, like black people, sometimes or most of the time it's in reverse. But that is another conversation for another TV show. <laughs> Jukebox is leaving Nicole's house. She can barely stand up. She all traumatized and heartbroken and shit. They do the little stare at the window. I'm looking down on you. You looking up at me. We both got tears in our eyes. Parent snatches. <laughs> Parent snatches um, Nicole away from the window. Looks at Jukebox in disgust and closes the motherfucking curtains. Like, bitch, don't you ever come back over here. <laughs> we cut back to Rock and Kanan. <laughs> Rock is teaching Kanan how to cook, even though she's really reluctant about it. <laughs> and it was in Kanan's response that I like realized, like this kid who's playing like kid Kanan. His name is Makai Curtis. He's doing a really good job with this role. It's just now that I'm realizing, like, damn, he even sound like a little 50 Cent. Like, the way he's speaking or whatever, I'm like, I hear 50 Cent's voice coming out of this man's, like, face when he is acting. I'm like, damn, that's dope. Like, he's young. He's doing the work necessary to really portray this character in the best way possible. And he's doing a good job. But back to the story. <laughs> Rock teaches him the steps and the rules to cooking. Rule number one being you never cook where you sleep. And that has to be the most important rule about anything illegal. You never do illegal activities <laughs> where you're going to lay your head at night. <laughs> this old saying, you don't eat where you shit or shit where you eat or shit where you sleep. One of those phrases is what I'm saying. Y'all get what I'm saying. <laughs> we cut over the scrap who is having a meeting with Unique. Um, apparently, he wants to uh, switch teams from Team Raquel to Team Unique. <laughs> Rightfully so, Unique has a bunch of questions. He don't understand, like, damn, why you want to be on my side out of the blue. But ultimately, he convinces Unique. Um, I actually think, laughing, because I feel like it's predictable, right? But I think um, Scrap is going to be a mole. <laughs> Rock in that conversation when she pulled him in the car to picking him off of the street, she concocted a plan for Scrap to go undercover in Unique's business to basically let her know this nigga's every move and how his whole operation is set up. It only makes sense to me. I don't feel like Rock pulled Scrap in that car and told him you fired and fuck you nigga like. I'm pretty sure if it was really a situation, Rock would have just killed Scrap and been done with it. So we'll see what happens in later episodes. But I feel like Scrap is about to play um, secret agent over there <laughs> in Unique's camp, giving Rock all the play by play on this man's whole operation. From the end of that conversation, though, we start a whole montage that is musically backed by 
black sheep, the choice is yours. You could get with this or you could get with that, which <laughs> fitting because like we talked about earlier, the title of episode five is Choose Your Battles. In this montage, though, we get Kanan successfully cooking his first rock, you know, at the guidance of his mother, Raquel. Marvin and the crew getting ready to start construction in the apartment units that Raquel secured. Lou and Jessica are fucking in the studio. <laughs> Great place to fuck. <laughs> uh, jukebox is walking home in shambles after the situation where her and Nicole and we got 50 Cent narrating a monologue about his life choices right at the moment of the montage where rock is teaching Kanan how to cut his cook product for sale the montage ends with unique acceptance scrap into his crew so we cut back over to rock and detective malcolm um detective malcolm popped up on rock unexpectedly she's outside taking out her trash and he walks up He's questioning her about the timeline of Kanan's birth compared to DEFCON's incarceration records and his intuition regarding Kanan being his son. He wondered back in the day when he, uh, he said he saw Raquel pushing Kanan around in the stroller, but, you know, he didn't want to dig deeper because maybe he felt like he didn't want to know. But rock is trying to play dumb but of course detective malcolm he ain't for that shit he cut through it already he already added up the days and the numbers checked the records you were not allowed any conjugal visits or defcon wasn't allowed any conjugal visits so ain't no way he got kids running around here after his incarceration so detective malcolm just cut straight to the point Kaden is my son you've been lying to me about it Rock says nothing. She just stare at him with a stuck face, deer in headlights, 100%. <laughs> and Detective Malcolm turns away and walks off. Like, on some, I knew it shit. <laughs> and the episode ends here with that cliffhanger <laughs> being the last piece of information we receive <laughs> on this episode. I think that um, the blood that Kanan left on that little handkerchief that Detective Malcolm gave him to like wipe his lip at the police station. I think he might have just tested that shit against his blood and the results came back. I don't know if that's what happened because I know DNA tests take a little time or whatever. It might have really just been some two and two shit and he going to use that blood for later. But I made note that they put attention and focus on that handkerchief with that blood spot on there from Kanan's lip. So we'll see if it come back around at some point. But that is the end of episode five. We got that cliffhanger, you know what I'm saying? Just to recap, you know, um, we didn't get much of Marvin this episode, which is fine because after what Rock said to him, he's been through enough. <laughs> A little squabble he got in with Lou, like he good. <laughs> um, I do want to see what is going to happen with his white queen, Tony, but <laughs> we'll see about that in later episodes. Rock finally taught Kanan something about the business other than, you know, stash house etiquette. <laughs> he done cooked his first rock. Um, Lou and Jessica, they making more bigger moves in the whole music space. What else we got? Unique has taken Scrap in. Like I said, I feel like Scrap is about to play mold. So we'll see how that turns out. That's going to be interesting. 
you know, Rock got her apartment units for, you know, stashing shit. Like, the story's moving along. Jukebox and Nicole are up in the air. I feel like Nicole is going to be, you know, the defiant white girl and make sure she comes see by her lady. Fuck what her parents got to say. Uh, who knows how Juke is going to react to that because, you know, different life, completely different race, everything. Um, I feel like Kanan is going to have a conversation with Davina soon and it's going to be revealed. She was a snitch. We'll see how Kanan handles that. Like the story done moved up a little bit. Definitely not a filler episode. This was, well, if we want to call it a filler episode, it's one of the important ones again. It wasn't just bullshitting here. Like the story is moving a lot more than it did on the, um, last week's episode. But I'm excited. All that shit I just named, I'm pretty sure it's other stuff that I'm just not even thinking about right now. But I'm going to just wrap right here <laughs> because y'all seen the episode. So y'all know what I'm talking about. And. When we get to episode six, we're going to break that down, too, and have the discussion. But until then, I catch on the next installment of the Talk and Play Blurred cast. I think next I'm going to be covering a bunch of Marvel shit. So if you a Marvel head, stick around. If not, um, just wait for me to upload my recap slash review on episode six it's not out yet at time of recording uh, but when it is out and i do the review it'll be on the blurry cast catch y'all on the next one